0: Thank you, Brian. So uh, there is a, a game that is often played with uh, different variations on the same theme. And that is, who is the greatest? Okay, so if you want to just, uh, we're going to play a, a short little version of the game. You can take pen and paper and write down your answers if you want. So who is the, great, who is the greatest actor of all time? Some might say Sir Lawrence Olivier. Others might say Meryl Streep. Others, Sidney Portier. Anyone under 40 might be saying, who? (laughs) Who's the greatest president of all time? Some might say Lincoln, others Washington, so others Jefferson, FDR, or one to be named later. Who's the greatest rock band of all time? And write down your answers here. Some immediately might say the Beatles. Others might say U2, Earth, Wind & Fire, even the Eagles. Let it be known that Meat Loaf has actually sold more of a single album than all four of those bands, believe it or not. Then others in our midst might say, Rock, Schmock, give me Duke Ellington, or Benny Goodman. And then Goodman. And then, who's the greatest athlete? That one comes up a lot. Muhammad Ali said he was, but it helps if other people nominate you. Michael Jordan, maybe. Alex Ovechkin would get the vote here in the DMV. Or Cristiano Ronaldo or Jackie Joyner-Kersey, the list goes on and on. Okay, everybody write down their answers or your thoughts in your mind? Okay, now let me give you the right answers. No, I'm kidding. It's impossible to do that because this game is so subjective. It's subjective and it's weighted by our own experiences and our own uh, preferences. However, what I find really interesting is when it comes to what it means to be a follower of Jesus someone who is moving and going and seeking the heart of God, Jesus played the how-to-be-great game, at least his version of it. And it has stood the test of time as far as his kingdom and the pursuit of his kingdom goes. So this morning, we continue our series called A Beautiful Life, Jesus. And in this series, we've been taking a look at the life of Jesus and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus through the eyes of Mark, the gospel writer. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what it means to live a, a faith-forward life, sort of characteristics of a disciple of Jesus who is following in faith. And so, let me invite you to turn or launch your Bibles to Mark chapter nine, Mark chapter nine verses thirty through forty-one, and we're going to see that Jesus dealt with sort of some nuggets of wisdom, if you will, and and three of them, and right in the middle is this who is the greatest game let's review a little bit this section of mark starts off with a mountaintop experience for jesus known as the transfiguration we looked at that a few weeks ago he takes peter james and john up on a high mountain and there all of a sudden jesus is transfigured and they're able to see him in all of his glory He's there having a little chat with Moses and Elijah, and we know from Luke's gospel that as they have this little chat, they begin talking about the mission that was ahead of Jesus, known as his departure. In other words, he was going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. A cloud surrounds them all, and then the voice of God says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So in this episode, we see the mission and the identity of Jesus being affirmed. And as we pursue a faith forward life, we learn that first of all, there's no glory without suffering. We learn that Jesus must be worshiped in all that we do and that faith forward living starts by listening to the word of God there in the cloud that we should listen to Jesus. And then next week, we saw that Jesus and his inner circle there, Peter, James, and John, they started to descend down off the mountain. And boy, they came down right into the messiness of life. As soon as they get down off the mountain, they find the other nine disciples and they're there, they're squabbling with the religious leaders of the day. Uh, They find there's this desperate father who has a son who has an evil spirit and he brought his son to the disciples for healing and the disciples couldn't heal him. And we have this father looking at Jesus and saying, please, if you, have, if you have mercy on us, have pity on him, please heal him. And then the father says, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus had told him that all things are possible with God. We learn from this episode that faith means that indeed we say with God all things are possible. We believe that God will do that which is according to his good and perfect will. And we learn that if we have a struggling and a wobbling faith, that we can ask God for faith, that we need divine help at times to have faith. Now with these two amazing episodes, the mountaintop and the messiness in our rearview mirror, Jesus and his disciples hit the road and as they are traveling along, we get three more incredible nuggets of how to live faithfully as a disciple. We'll just take them one at a time. Let's start with Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 32. It reads like this. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Let's just stop right there. Notice this is one of those times, Mark tells us, when Jesus focused purely on his disciples. He focused in on that relationship. Now, here at OTCC, we talk about a framework for discipleship, and we talk about the idea that followers of Jesus will live in three different directions. We will live up with God in our relationship with God. We will live in toward the community of faith in our relationship with other believers, and we will live out on mission in the world. That's our framework for discipleship. It's how Jesus lived. It's how we believe that we should live and that we should pursue his life. Now, it's interesting. This is one of those times when Jesus pulled away. He pulled away from his healing ministry. He pulled away from his teaching ministry as far as the crowds go to focus in on teaching the disciples and investing deeply in them. He knew he needed to get them away. Let me hit the pause button for a second. Let me encourage you to be intentional about learning the ways of Jesus in 2022. Our first Digging Deeper series deadline is today. And in this Digging Deeper series, we're going to take a look at 15 essential biblical texts. And then we're going to watch the video. And then uh, on six Monday nights, you can watch the video on your own time. It's on six Monday nights, we're going to discuss them together. And sometimes we need to pull away right? Like the disciples did and Jesus did. Sometimes we need to pull away from what did Jose say, the YouTube videos. And we need to pull away from from a day at work. We need to pull away even sometimes from our family and focus in, okay, Lord, what do you want me to learn about you today? And so let me encourage you, if you've not signed up today as a deadline, encourage you to do so. All you have to do is write on a little contact card or email the church office. We'll get you signed up. So the text says the disciples just didn't get that Jesus had to die. It says they just didn't get it. Again, Luke's account of this says that it was hidden from the disciples. We don't know why the meaning of his impending death was hidden from them or why they didn't just get it. Although when you think about it, if you think about your life and and when I think about my life, maybe that's not such a stretch. If we were traveling daily with someone we loved, someone who was doing amazing works on behalf of God, someone who was teaching amazing wisdom, and someone who was in his early 30s, and then all of a sudden he starts saying he's going to die soon, I'm not sure I would want to believe it. I'm not so sure I wouldn't just go into denial. Maybe they were afraid to ask Jesus because they were afraid of the answer. Have you ever not asked a question because you were afraid of the answer? Have you ever put off a doctor's or dentist appointment because you didn't want to know the results? It's amazing what the human mind and human heart will do at times. Most believe that, if they had actually grasped the reality of what Jesus was was telling them, that in that moment, they may not have been able to carry their burden and be able to do what they needed to do in Jesus' ministry that would lead to the cross. The full weight and meaning may have been too much for them in that moment. They'd be able to carry it later, but maybe not then. The full weight and meaning they would be able to carry later. Let me repeat that but just not then. Disciples of Jesus are called to trust even when we do not understand all that God is up to. And for that matter, why God seems to be doing what God is doing or why God is not doing something, we want God to do. To deepen your faith journey is to embrace the idea that we may not always know what God is up to. And we we may not always know why. We confess in faith his ways are higher than our ways. Several years ago, I was with our seniors at Goodwin House, and we were talking about this idea of trusting faith even when we have questions. And Carmelita Collier, God rest her soul, who was probably 98 at the time, said, I trust you, Lord, but I want it done right now. And Carmelita might be saying that to the Lord right now as we speak. I think we would all echo those sentiments. The reality is, God's ways at times are mysterious. So we follow with one foot in front of the other. We trust even when we have our questions, we trust even when we have more questions than answers. And the reality is, we may not know what God was up to until the other side of eternity but we do know that God is faithful to us and God is good to us and we can trust God when we don't understand. St. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. When St. Paul wrote that the mirrors in his day weren't like the mirrors in our day where we can look in a mirror and pretty much see what's going on. No, the mirror in the first century would be like looking at a, a piece of, of shiny silverware, maybe, or looking into a, a pool of water and seeing some kind of reflection. And so St. Paul says, you know, I just can't see it completely, God, but I know I can trust you. God, I don't know it all, but I know I can trust you. And one day you will show me in the fullness of your time what I need to know. But until then, this is my paraphrase, disciples trust even when we don't understand. So let me ask you a question this morning. Is there something in your life, is there something in the world you don't understand? You don't understand why, you don't understand how, you might not understand when, you might not understand what. And are you willing to lay that and at the feet of God and say, I will trust you even though I don't know. That's nugget number one, pretty powerful nugget there. Let's continue on. Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37, it reads like this. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? You know, that. I, I bet I just heard my mother. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. Here's where they start to play, who's the greatest game, but they're actually doing it with each other. You know, they're getting competitive with each other. And remember, this is after Jesus took the, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, up the high mountain, and it's after the other disciples were unable to heal a man's son. So it's interesting they start saying, okay, who's really the, the greatest here? We see, even in the work of God, we see typical human emotions of jealousy, and prestige, and a competitive streak. A freebie here, when men feel incompetent and ignorant, they often argue and compete with one another. That's something you can see from there. Jesus says, hey, what are you arguing about? What are you arguing about, he asked them. He knew, but he wanted them to confess. He knew, but he wanted them to tell him. Have you ever had something you didn't want to tell Jesus? Something maybe you didn't want to face up to? Right when COVID started, I went to Harris Teeter. And this was before there were a lot of face masks around. And so, you know, like everybody else, I was trying to be, protect myself. So I took one of those bandanas, right? And mine was yellow. And I took a yellow bandana and I put it across my nose and mouth. I only learned later it wasn't doing me any good. You know, look like an old Western bandit in Harris Teeter, right? But anyway, so I'm in there, and, and I'd never done it before, and all of a sudden my glasses just fogged right up, and I took my cart, and the only way I knew that I had knocked over display is when I heard it because my glasses had fogged up. And by the way, second time I've knocked stuff over at Harris Teeter. I don't know what's going on. And you know, in that moment, I really wanted to, to just run. Or I wanted to start making excuses. You know, oh, look, my glasses are fucked up and everything. I didn't want to stand with the mess I had made. And maybe that's what was going on with the disciples. They didn't want to stand with the argument that they were arguing about in front of Jesus. It's not the main idea here in this section, but it's really important to your spiritual growth. Jesus wants us to confess our sins, our struggles, our weaknesses to him. The disciples didn't want to talk about it because they knew they shouldn't have been arguing about who is the greatest. Well, oh, back to the story. Jesus tells them, if you want to be the first or greatest, then you must be willing to be last and a servant of all. And he calls the child over. Children in those days did not quite hold the prestige and position that children hold in our culture. Some argue in our culture we've become child-centric and parents allow too much of their life to revolve around their children. In Jewish culture, they were valued in the family incredibly, but in the social and the power structures, they were disregarded. They were seen and not heard. Here's what we need to see. Jesus says, when you welcome the disregarded, you're welcoming me and the one who sent me. If you disregard the disregarded, then you've not embraced what it really means to follow after me. There are no unimportant people in God's economy. All have the image of God, all have dignity. All are great in the eyes of God and therefore should be great in the eyes of the disciple. Now, why does this help us grow stronger as a disciple? Well, first of all, our Lord told us that we should serve. That if we want to pursue greatness in his kingdom, that we would empty ourselves of self and that we would serve. We would serve the least of these. We would serve the the last. We would serve those who are disregarded. And we cannot learn the way of Jesus if we only value part of the tapestry of humanity and not all of it. We cannot learn the way of Jesus if we're full of ourselves and always seeking to climb the world's ladder and trying to navigate the world's power structures and the world's cultural values. Put another way, self-promotion or trying to be the greatest makes one least open to the ways of Jesus. Bill Hybels, the former pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, wrote a book titled Descending into Greatness. In my paraphrase, he says the word down almost has exclusively negative connotations. Downscale, downtrodden, down on my log, downhill, downhearted. The word up is almost the opposite, upscale, up and coming, up and to the right on the financial statement, upper class. But to follow Jesus is to embrace downward mobility with a twist. Christians descend by lifting others up, by serving others, by regarding the disregarded, and thus we descend into kingdom, greatness. And so nugget number two from this little journey of Jesus and his disciples is disciples embrace greatness God's way by serving others. Well, let's read our, our last three verses here, starting with verse 38. Teacher said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Now, I know I may have mentioned last week that this entire section could be subtitled the Disciple's bless their hearts. They just keep stumbling. They can't heal the man's son, so they start an argument with the religious leaders. They don't understand Jesus' teaching about his impending death. They start arguing with each other about who's the greatest, and now they get into a quarrel. They get competitive with someone who's doing really good work in the name of Jesus, but he wasn't part of their group. I mean, they're just, I bet they want the Pharisees to come along just so Jesus will kind of Focus on them for a while. What was going on here? They were not only being competitive with one another, they were being competitive with others who were doing really good work. Someone who was healing someone of an evil spirit, and yet they didn't want them to keep doing that because he wasn't part of the group. I guess they thought they were the only ones who could do good work in the name of God. God. This reminds us that the Lord works in a variety of ways and through many different people. Jesus said, hey, if they're not working against us, let's take that when they're for us. Remember, Mark is written in a time of persecution. If someone's not against you, they're for you in a very real way. I am so glad here at OTCC we are not competitive with other churches. We know that we need all churches pulling in the same direction and sharing the love of Jesus here in the D.C. area. Last week I was so moved when Pastor Brian spent time praying for other churches here in Old Town and around the region. This is why we pray for other churches, why we partner with others, even though we may not disagree, even though we may not agree on finer points of doctrine and they're from different denominational heritages. We don't believe Jesus came to plant a denominational flag. He came to redeem the world and he uses his church as his hands and feet. We're so grateful for the work that John and those guys do at Casa Chiralagua. We're here to work together and see people's lives change. This past week, I had the privilege of teaching a Bible study at Christ House, which is a a program run by Catholic Charities for, for men who had been incarcerated or in recovery. We didn't sit around the table and talk about Catholic this or Baptist that. We talked about Jesus. We also value working with other groups in our community that are doing good work, even though these groups aren't churches or even explicitly Christian groups. We have seven AA groups, seven recovery groups that meet right here in this facility. And we are grateful for the good work that God is doing healing people through those organizations. Together We Bake does great work in our community, empowering women in need of a second chance through the early stages of the work we're doing to establish the common good i've heard the incredible stories of nonprofits in our community who are working to feed the hungry and to mentor students nonprofits to advocate for women who have struggled with cancer god is doing good work inside and outside of the church our god is so much bigger than any one church god uses all sorts for his ways and means. So nugget number three, disciples value and bless the good work of others. And let me just add a little line to that. And we're willing to partner with others to see the good work of God moving forward. Three nuggets of wisdom and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I invite you this morning to trust Jesus even when you don't understand what he's doing even when you don't understand hang on to him i invite you to embrace what it means to deny yourself to lift others up and to pursue greatness god's way i invite you to see god at work both inside and outside of his church let that lift your heart be blessed by what god is doing all around us and let's join in with the good work that god is doing may we all live and continue to live in this faith-forward journey. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the way that you continue to just teach us through your word. And Lord, for the opportunity to trust you even when we don't have all the answers. God, there there are parts of your scripture, Lord, that sometimes we... We just lift up and say, God, we just ask you to reveal in the fullness of your time that which you want us to know. And then, Lord, there's just parts of your Scripture that is just so crystal clear, like what you want us and how you want us to see your world and to lift others up. And that, Lord, if we want to be great in your eyes, that we will regard the disregarded, we will look for the least in our world and lift them up and, and serve. Lord, we thank you for that. And God, we thank you for the way that you're working inside and outside of your church, in your community, and your world. Lord, continue to give us fresh eyes to see your movement and what you're doing. We thank you for the privilege of being your disciples. Now bless us, strengthen our faith, encourage our hearts as we leave this place today to serve on mission with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, Brian and Amy are going to come and lead us in our closing song. I invite you to stand.